Okay, Boker Tov, we're on the top of Gimel Amit Beis. Remember, the last thing we spoke about was, do you get lashed for plowing on Shemitah? Do you get lashed? It doesn't say specifically, thou shall not plow on Shemitah. It mentioned other things. You're not supposed to work on Shemitah, and there were four items listed. And there was a machlokas, do we learn out plowing from a drusha or not? That was a machlokas that was not resolved. But now that we're on the topic of getting uh, lashed for plowing on Shemitah, so ki osa ravdimi, when ravdimi came from Eretz Yisrael to Bavel, he said the following. And he said, I heard the scholars in Eretz Yisrael saying the following brysa, so let me just tell you what's going to come down the pike now. The Brysa is a very cryptic Brysa that you will not understand when you hear it the first time. Then the Gemara will give two interpretations of the Brysa. And that's all what Rav Dimi is coming now to tell us. There's a, a very brief Brysa. And then there's two ways of understanding the Brysa. So this is what was said. Yochal, I might think... Yilka ala tosefes. One gets lashed for tosefes. That's the word we don't know what it means. That's going to be explained. For ex- tosefes means like musaf, extension. So I would think you get lashed for something of extension related to Shemitah, but no. V'nosev lo talmuda liftora. And a teaching was adduced to exempt it from lashes. So in other words, I would have thought we get lashes for some type of extension, but we brought a teaching to show you don't get the lashes. That's what was heard. And the loya daina my tamura. I don't know what the teaching of the Brisa was regarding this edition. I don't know what they were trying to say you get lashed for. And what what was the teaching to tell me not? And I didn't know my tosevas. What's the extension? I just know they were trying to lash someone for an extension, and they had a teaching that said, you don't get lashed for the extension. So that is uh, the the cryptic statement. And now there are two rabbis who are going to suggest what was the potential lashing for the extension, and what is the teaching that says you do not get the lashing. So Rabbi Lezer Omer, so the Gemara wants to clarify the price up, right? Now, it's interesting. The Gemara will go on to cite two explanations of Bryce's words. One by Rabbi Lazar and one by Rabbi Yochan. It would seem these two Amorayim offered their explanations in response to Rav Dimi's report upon his arrival in Bavel. In other words, he gave this report. It's very interesting. The rabbis will come and say things they don't even know what they're talking about. They'll say, I hope you guys know what it's all about. And it would seem that that was the story. However, then we're just getting a little historical issues here. The Chazanish proves, however, that this cannot be the case. Because Rabbi Lozer and Yochanan both lived in Eretz Yisrael, not in Bavel. <laughs> Furthermore, it seems unlike that Rabbi Yochanan, who was Rav Dimi's teacher, would be coming to explain a statement overheard by his student. Rather, the Chazanish suggests that follows is all part of Rav Dimi's report. Rav Dimi stated that while in Israel... He heard the scholars there repeating a b'risa whose meaning was obscure even to them. So when Ravdimi said, V'lo yadana, I do not know, he really meant that he, along with the other scholars in Eretz Yisrael, could not explain it. He then went on to cite two explanations of this b'risa 
he heard in Eretz Yisrael, one by Rebbe Lazar, one by Rabbi Yochanan. So in other words, he was saying, he comes to Bali, he says, listen, here's a b'risa we didn't know what he was talking about, and here's two rabbis' opinions as to what the b'risa means. Okay, good. Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Lazar's interpretation of the cryptic b'risa is, what's the extension? The extension is harisha, is plowing during the Shemitah year. Why is it called an extension? Because it's not one of the forbidden labors specifically mentioned in the Torah. We wanted to learn it from a klalu pradu klal from last week. It doesn't mention plowing. It says the other four uh, uh, labors, but it doesn't mention that. And we thought to include it, and that's the tosephus, meaning additional to what was written specifically in the Torah, you would get lashed for that. And this is what the Brisa intended to do in its first thought, which would be, I would think it, you'd get lashed for plowing. It could be deduced from a cloud through a generalization, a specification, and a generalization that plowing is permitted. As we learned last week, Right, it said the positive, then the negative, then the afterwards, a third statement, and it only mentioned four things. We wanted to include that as well to be part of the specification that it's also to plow. But, then the Talmud came along, a teaching came along and exempted it. And what was the logic to exempt it? Dean Kane, if you want to say it's a specification, Call Hani Prati Lamli. Why do you have to have so many details mentioned? If you just want to say a specification, say one specification. Why are you saying four specifications? There it is. The Psukim in Vayikra specifically lists sowing, reaping, pruning, and picking grapes as labors forbidden during Shemitah. But pruning and picking grapes are subcategories, remember, of sowing and reaping. So why didn't the Torah need to list them? And we said, and what's it there for? To say only these two and not other things. So therefore, we learned from that, it cannot, you can't learn it out. We thought it would be an extension of the uh, specification, things like it, but since it already specified four things and two were primary malachas and two were subcategory malachas, it would seem to indicate that's all and nothing else. And therefore, we wanted to add plowing to get lashed, but then we ended up, it's not to be lashed. Now, interesting question over here. The Rishonim asked, the Gemara above brought a machlokas between Rabbi Luz and Rabbi Yochanan as to whether plowing during Shemitah gets lashed. It's apparent, however, the Gemara did not know which Amora held which opinion. Because the Gemara there said, Chad Omar. They brought last week, do you get lashed for plowing? It said it was machlokas for Belozor B'yochanan. One said this, one said that, without specifying names. Must be the Gemara didn't know who held what. But here, it seems clear from here that since Belozor is the one who explains the b'risa, he holds that plowing during Shemitah is not liable for lashes. Because he explains the b'risa saying, we would have thought you get lashed, but you don't. So why then did the Gemara above not attribute that opinion to him? Why'd you say one says one says? So the Rishonim answer, no proof could be adduced from here, for perhaps Rulos was merely explaining the Brisa cited by Rav Dimi for lack of another explanation. 
but he may not subscribe to that view because maybe there's another Bryce. Just because he explained it doesn't mean that has to be the view he holds like. Anyway, that was one explanation of the Bryce. Now, a second explanation, and this is what's going to take us far flung now for the next page or so. We're going to talk about a whole different aspect of um, a tosefes, of an extension. For Rabbi Yochanan Amar, Rabbi Yochanan says, this is the cryptic statement that Rav Dimi cited in its meaning. The extension is, we know Shemitah is biblically usher from Rosh Hashanah of the new year till the next Rosh Hashanah. But now, what is it? A little? How about a little bit before Rosh Hashanah? How about a little bit after Rosh Hashanah? So now we're talking about not an extension of prohibited activities, but an extension of time. As we'll see, you're not allowed to do things to improve the quality of the land on Shemitah. Well, we'll see in a minute, you can't do things a little bit before Shemitah that will improve the quality of the land for the upcoming Shemitah year as well. Because then it's like you're making things grow better in the Shemitah year and you have to let it land fallow, as we shall see. So there are days of before that. So this extra period is called the Tosefest, the extension. And this is a whole discussion. Remember, the Brysa was saying, I might have thought you get lashed for an extension, but we give it a, a proof you don't get lashed for the extension. I might think you can get lashed if you do some plowing before Rosh Hashanah. As we will learn it from a drasha that we're not going to explain right now, but we'll explain a little bit later, where there's a pasuk that says, Bechorish uvakatsir tishbos. It says, you cease and desist from plowing and harvesting. Now that pasuk, by the way, seems to be talking about Shabbos. But we'll see. The more is just bringing this briefly now. It's just giving you a, a touch to get a little taste. It's not explaining everything. And we would have derived it from the words, Ubacharish Ubakatsir Tishbos. How would you derive it? Right now you have no way of knowing. We have to go further on, as we're going to see later on. Rabbi Akiva is going to explain how we learn from this Pasuk. Now, again, you only receive lashes for transgressing a negative commandment. Gemara assumes that we can derive the punishment of lashes for working the field during the days before the Shemitah year from the verse which is couched in terms of a positive one of at the plowing you shall rest, which is positive. So the reason why for this is that since the Torah already stated a negative command in regard to Shemitah, the, the original one says you shall not do these four things. When the, when the Torah says to extend the Shemitah, it's reasonable to assume we're extending the negative prohibition a little bit earlier. Okay? That's the main idea they're trying to do. We'll see. He has not explained how we see from this verse anything. We have to wait for that. But I would have thought we added from that Pusik we had even before. Then we brought a proof. No. We say you don't get uh, lashes. As will be explained later on. Now, we'll see, you see, we're on 3B. Later on in 4A, Rabbi Yochanan himself will derive by means of Xerah Shava between the words Shabbos here and Shabbos stated to the weekly Shabbos that there's no 
biblical obligation from working on the Shemitah before. So it's all not known yet. All he's saying right now, in other words, it's a cryptic explanation of a cryptic original statement. The original statement thought said what? I would think you'd get lashed for an extension. You don't know what the extension is. And there's a, a drush that says you don't get it. Comes along Rabbi Yochanan and says, okay, the extension is if you work before Shemitah, you get lashed. And there's a drush that says you don't. So now, well, how do you know any of that stuff? So now we have to first explain what, what are we talking about an extension? Who knows anything about an extension over here? So before we can even intellectually, intelligently discuss any of these cryptic statements, what are the issues? So my Yomim Shalifnei Rosh Hashanah. What is meant by the days prior to Rosh Hashanah, this extension? Kiritznan. So, okay, so we learn in a Mishnah in Shviz, the very first Mishnah. Ad Mosai Chorshon Be'il Bostei Ilon Ershes. There's two types of fields. There's a field that grows trees, and it's a field that grows uh, produce, like grain and stuff like that. So a tree field is called a stay elon. So until when can you plow a field for trees on Erev Shemitah? So machlokas beis hill beis but it's really not going to be much of a machlokas at all. Beis shamay amrim beis you know how long you can plow? Calls man pri. As long as the plowing is good for the fruit that's growing in year six. Okay. Plowing during the spring of year six helps to prevent the water content of the ground accumulating during the rainy season by allowing the most moisture to penetrate deeper beneath the surface. Once the ground has been dried by the summer, hot summer, or plowing can be harmful tree and can cause the tree to drop its fruit. So you want to plow a little earlier. If a farmer continues to plow his field of trees even then, his objective is obviously to prepare the crop for the seventh year. So only until what it helps for the sixth year. But that didn't give us a date. Didn't give us a date. Well, Basil, I mean, Basil is more specific, and he give a date. Out of Terrace, until Shavuos. Can plow until Shavuos. That's helping what was in the past year. After Shavuos is now preparing for the new year. And but the Mishnah says, "Ukrovim divrayelo lioski divrayelo," and the words of Beis Hillel and Beis Shammai are almost identical. For the deadline of Beis Shammai falls very close to Shvuos. Okay, there's a discussion a little bit before, a little bit after. Either way, the plowing has to stop around Shvuos time. So now that is a tree field. How long can you plow a grain field on the seventh year, a sixth year? It says, Until the ground moisture ceases. As long as the ground is still moist from the rainy season. So for until that time, the plowing is beneficial for this year's crop. Thereafter, it's like for the next year. And also, the lito. And as long as people plow to plant the squash and gourd, up till this time, it's still permissible to plow in a grain field. Beyond this time, it's not allowed. Okay. According to our reading of the Cholzman, and as long as this clause is separate from the preceding one, the mission is coming to teach that even if the ground moisture is dried up, 
His Superman to plow provides still are still people are still plowing to plant squash and gourds for year six. For someone who observes a flower, pl- farmer plowing at this time, will assume the farmer is doing so for the squash and the gourds. Okay, again, same idea. For the Shemitah year starts in Rosh Hashanah. Yes, but we're doing it. So, but again, the problem is you can't do any plowing in year six. That will be beneficial for year seven. So for this uh, uh, grain field, as long as people are, you know, that amount, as long as people are still uh, plowing for certain reasons. Rabbi Shimon doesn't like that. Shimon Omer, you know what? Every field is different. In Cain, neat the Torah shiur lecholech Torah now is giving every farmer has a different deadline, right? Some people, their fields get water, get wet more than others. Some are going to plow for squash. Some aren't going to plow for squash. So, you know, it, no one's going to really know the deadline. They're going to see certain guys doing this, certain guys doing this. Therefore, he's, and really, it uh, it's really on the first case too, because according to Beishama, he also said, you know, as long as people are still doing it. So he makes it straight, very simple. We're talking about a grain field at Pesach, until Pesach, finished. And a tree field at Atzeres, until Shuas, finished. Let's not make it simple. Regardless of what you want to do, we have to make a cutoff that everybody knows. The, the plowing's for one field and the Pesach, plowing's for the field after Shuas. Any plowing done after those times for those prospective fields, prospective fields, they would be helping the ground for the seventh year, which you cannot do. I guess so. I'm not a farmer. Isn't there a summer crop that you you harvest for Sukkot? So you would lose that whole. Could be you harvest it? No, you harvest it before Pesach. You 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 plowed before Pesach. Plowed before Pesach. That's what they're saying. Yes, if you want a summer crop. It's all rainy season up until Pesach. Well, that doesn't matter. Plowing is okay. But you can, you can, you can plant, well, everything's early. You know, you're plowing for the winter crop right after Sukkot. Right. And it's coming up sometime in the winter. And then you plow again when you do the summer so, crop. Okay, so, so if you started, okay, whatever. Well, why can't you work all, all the way to Rosh Hashanah? Because, it, because it's, it, this type of work will be helping the field for year seven. The land's got to be fallow. Nothing's supposed to come in year seven. If you're starting to plow in year six and you're going to start, you're going to make things grow in year seven. You can't do that. There's be nothing growing. It's a waste of time, but why is it necessary? Well, the plowing will make the land better and it could, some crops will grow wild or whatever. Things are good. You're helping out. It's more for the animals. You're not allowed to promote. The land has to rest. It has to be rested. So you got to prepare to rest. If you're setting up everything in advance, it's like to say, no, on Shabbos, it works differently. Shabbos, you can't do any work on Shabbos, right? But I could set a timer before Shabbos. <laughs> because the Shabbos doesn't have to rest. I have to rest on the Shabbos. Wait, ah, if the, but here, the field, what if, I, what if I put my fields on timers? 
place. I got a machine that's on a timer at this that time. You, you can't do that because the field is resting. So when you're plowing before the Shemitah year, so late in the year, it's for the purpose of the land not resting. I guess what I'm asking is if you plow and you plant right after Pesach, you harvest... Before, before, no, before, nana, that's the point. You don't want to do that. There should be no harvest coming on Shemitah. Before, before, before if you do it all before Shemitah. Right. So, okay, good, that's fine. But it all depends on the plowing. You're not planting anything. You're not harvesting anything. You haven't plowed. So we look at step one. So if I'm plowing very early, it's still for year six. That's fine. So if I'm plowed by Pesach, for example, so whenever I'm going to plant soon after Pesach, and then I'm going to harvest uh, whatever in the summer, so now by the seventh year, everything is, nothing's going to happen. So so the question is, so when can we be sure that whatever you do now will not affect year seven at all? And that's the two times over there. Okay, fine. At least now we know what is the Tosefes, what is this extra thing? The only question is, so now, will you get lashed if you do plow after that time? And that is what our discussion started off with. How do I might have thought you will get lashed if you plow in the sixth year for the seventh year. At least now we know what we're talking about. We haven't got any drushes yet. But at least now we have the context Okay, this is when you got to stop. It's an additional thing. And now, the Gemara will have to come still and tell us what the drusha will be to give you lashes for this. But this leads the topic. However, we still have a little more discussion about this Tosefes time. Now, this was what we have from a Mishnah. Now, now we're discussing later legislation. All these rabbis said regarding this. Rabbi Gamliel Ubezdino. Rabbi Gamliel and his Bezdin. Nimnu, they uh, took a vote. Alshne Prokimalolo. And these two deadlines, Pesach and Shvuas, Ubatlum, and they nullified them. We'll see. And they said you can plow up until the Shemitah time. Now, again, we have over here, we have, remember, Beis Hillel, Beis Shammai, all these rabbis came before Rabbi Gamliel. Okay? Gamliel is the son of Rabbi Huda Nasi. Rabbi Huda Nasi came after Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Nasi is like the last of the Tanaim. He begins the Amoraim. So even though we just told you that uh, they said, Beis Hillel, Beis Shammai, whoever was that Mishnah said, you got to stop by Pesach and Shavuos, came along Gamliel's Bezdin, and they decided, no, we took this all out. No restriction at all. Which is very shocking. Why? Because what's the problem with this? And some said it was Reish Lokish, said to Rabbi Yechanan, wait a minute, how can Rab Gamliel obey Stino? How can Rab Gamliel and his Bezdin how could they nullify a decree of Beishamay and Beisilo? According to Rab Shimon, right, Beisham and Beisilo both agree that Pesach and Shavuos are the deadline for plowing grain. So they were the ones who established it. It seems 
And we have a rule, Vatnan, we have a rule, once a Bezdin makes a decree, aim Bezdin Yochalovatal Divre Bezdin Chavera. A latter court in time cannot abolish an earlier court's edict unless. Unless they are greater in number and wisdom. But Rav Gamliel's court was certainly not greater than that of Basil and Beishamah. So the question is, how can you tell me that Rav Gamliel abolished their rule? You can't do that. So, so Rav Avo or Rav Yochanan uh, was confounded for a moment. In other words, he was caught off guard, so to say. And Amr but then he came back and said, Perhaps we can say that Beisilm Beishame made a stipulation when they made the enactment, which is most interesting. Maybe when they made the enactment, they put in a, a proviso. We're making this rule. But if somebody later feels it should be nullified, we have no problem with that, that le- nullifying. But that, that defeats the whole thing. Well, maybe they felt, you know, depend. When you make certain decrees, sometimes you feel the decree is more um, situational than existential. So in other words, you're saying, if you're saying there's a whole spiritual change in reality, okay, then we're going to keep it forever. But if you can say, no, right now, this is what we feel because this is the way the climate is and this and that. And if somebody wants to later change it, that's it's okay. Depends on the nature of the ruling. Sometimes the nature of ruling is saying, you know, there's a, there's a dissent in Klal Yisrael spirituality and therefore we made a decree. They didn't say that. No. They, they, they don't have no proof that they said you may change it. Well, he just, remember, the rabbi who's here, Rabbi Yon, just said, this is what happened here and there historically. So how could that happen? He says, well, most likely, since that happened, they must have made some kind of condition. That's what he said. Because otherwise, how could it be? He's he, That's when he got caught off guard for a minute. And where it's, he, 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 he was just giving facts. Basil Shama said this, Rabbi changed it. That's, he was just saying the facts. Sometimes you, you know the facts, you forget the, the reasoning behind it for a minute. So wait a minute, how can I can just change it? Oh yeah, oh yeah. When they did it, they made a condition. It wasn't that he's lying over here, he's you know, like a politician caught in a lie. He's just like, no, 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 no. They made a condition. They made a condition that it could be changed. Now, this all is gonna bring us to, and we'll leave it here, but just set you up for tomorrow. So right now it seems Basil Beisham made a decree to stop plowing on the sixth year at a certain time. Came a later bez and said, we abolished the decree. The problem is, who says it's a decree? It seems this whole thing is a halacha lemosha misinai that is not a decree, it cannot be abolished. Okay. And that's gonna to be tomorrow's discussion. Right. Oh, yeah. Rabbi, I know this, they talk about the, the Shemitah year not to prepare for it. What happened to the eighth year? Doesn't it have to be prepared? Why are you concerned about preparing for Shemitah? No, you know that. That means there's a requirement to, to prepare. No, no. The land has to be totally found. Right, right. So you can't right. do anything even in year right, six. Right, don't. So for what's Shemitah. the problem? But how about the eighth year? So the eighth year, you just begin in, in the eighth year. Right. To start. That means before the ninth year. 